on this case, we've got a large bridge that has fractured. You can see all the anterior teeth are missing. You can see it's a yellow uh, high noble gold substructure for this bridge. And it's a really big bridge. And in fact, it's a horseshoe bridge. It's a full arch bridge. So if you were ever going to make a case for using a base metal, a non-precious metal as a substructure, you would want to do it on a case like this because it's going to have the highest strength as a framework. It's going to bend the least and the porcelain's probably going to stay on. So uh, really probably the right way to treat this is to put some implants in for the missing teeth and do some smaller bridges. But the patient uh, wasn't interested in doing that. He had had this bridge uh, for 10 to 12 years. And uh, actually for once, I wasn't interested in doing it either. I hadn't been doing many bridges recently. And since we started doing Bruxer, I was looking forward to finding a patient who uh, could use a long span, like a full arch type horseshoe bridge that would be fabricated out of Bruxer. And so I was kind of happy when he walked in the door and had this broken bridge and didn't want to do the implants. Um, you know, I realized that a, a big bridge like this is probably not the best way to restore this situation, but uh, I was willing to do it and it's what he wanted to do. So we've got our uh, razor burr from Axis Dental out cutting through that yellow high noble metal, which is really easy to cut through. And you can just see it deflect and bend as I turn it back and forth, which makes it very easy to remove that bridge. Obviously, a base metal bridge would be even more difficult. And a zirconia bridge, like the Bruxer bridge that we're going to place here, would be even more difficult to cut through uh, down the road because the material is so strong. So we took it off and we've got some teeth, as you'll see in a minute, with some questionable posts that are in place and kind of a lack of a buildup. You know, there's, there's a post there, I see it, but there's no buildup around it and it just kind of disappears down into the canal and provides no height. So I'm, I'm going in with a small Gates Glidden drill trying to find uh, the canal next to this post, trying to see if I can create some space because I'd like to be able to get this post out and uh, put a proper size uh, post in, get a post a little deeper into the canal, and then also attach a buildup. And I couldn't get in there with the with the uh, uh, Gates Glidden Burr, so I had to. I'm just going in for a second with a hand file and verifying where the canal is, uh, and, and just trying to get an idea of how long this is and uh, and where the post is. So I, I'm not actually um, uh, doing endo here. Uh, the endo uh, is still good in the apical third. I'm just trying to figure out where I can go with the post. So. Uh, I know um, if you're wondering why there's not a rubber dam in place, that was the entire length of time that that file was in place. And once I got a chance to see where the canal was and see where the hole was, I was able to go in with the Gates Glidden, develop it, and then take this little post that was left in there and take it out, short little threaded post, and then go in and, and reshape the canal, mainly getting some more depth uh, towards the apical, removing a little more gutta percha, so we can put a 3M SB fiber post uh, in place. And there you can see the post space is prepared. You can see the threads actually on the buckle wall of that tooth where that threaded post has been. So now we've placed our fiber post in place with the 3M SB Reliax Unisem. And then you can just add a little more material to the top of that soft serve style, as we call it, like we were dispensing soft serve ice cream and then cure it. And then you can add a little more soft serve to the top of that and then cure it again so that it holds its shape and add a little more and cure it. And just kind of, these are quick cures. These are uh, two to four second cures where my assistant comes in and then I add more material and add more material because otherwise it'll slump. 
And yes, I could have put a crown form on that and just filled the whole thing up. That's another way to do it. Although stabilizing that crown form can be difficult sometimes. So once she has cured that completely, we go in and start to do our rough prep on this. And we just want to turn this into a, what looks to be kind of like a, a tooth at this point. Mainly just get a long cylinder at this point, do some occlusal reduction to get the bite right. You know, this is a difficult way to prep teeth. It's a lot easier to have a virgin tooth, I found, and do the reverse prep technique uh, as we go through here. But you can see how much we've gained in buildup there. I mean, we've absolutely gained a lot in terms of buildup. So now we're cleaning some tissue off the abutment right in front of that, just anterior to it, the cuspid. This is uh, from Discus Dental. This is our NV Micro Laser, my new diode laser that um, I use on a lot more cases than, uh, than you might expect. Certainly in a case like this where we need to expose some more clinical crown, uh, it's going to be expected, but I'm touching up tissue all the time, even on anterior cases. A lot of times just trying to make eight and nine match because they appear to have different clinical crown lengths because of the position of the gingiva. You know, ultimately it probably has to do with the position of the root of the tooth and where the tooth is, but you know, we don't get an opportunity to do ortho and make it look perfect. So I'm using my NV laser to expose uh, some more tooth, but still maintain a proper biological width of three millimeters. And uh, we're going to need more tooth structure if this patient wants to go the non-implant route. We're going to be putting a lot of stress on these teeth. You know, when you take four or in this case six teeth and put a whole arch uh, on top of it in terms of a bridge, that's a lot of stress for those teeth to handle to do the work of 12 of these teeth. So uh, we know that we, uh, if it's going to have any kind of success, we need to grab onto a significant clinical crown. And they also need very good bony support as well. And oddly enough, these teeth, as battered and broken down as they look, do have good support. Here we are removing a short stubby post on the other side. You're looking at it uh, Brady Bunch split screen, just because you already saw how we did this once before and cleaned it out. The fiber post goes in. We soft serve the buildup on top of it. And there are the six teeth that we have left that we're going to try to restore this case. So those are the bio temps. They've been relined. That first appointment was all about controlling tissue, getting rid of old posts, putting in new buildups, all that stuff. I had no intention of taking a final impression on that first day. And that's been one of the hardest things to change in the way I've approached dentistry, but I have been able to change it. And that is resisting the urge to take the final impression on a day where we've made significant changes to either the periodontal tissues, especially the periodontal tissues, uh, because it's just too difficult to get a good impression that day when you do all the prepping and, and you're going to place the biotemps and you need to let them heal a little bit. So the biotemps have been on for two weeks here and he had a chance to evaluate the size and shape and the vertical dimension, and he was happy with all of them. So today, on the second appointment, two weeks later, we're actually going to take our master impression. So we really have no preparation to do today. We're just doing our two-core technique, where the bottom double zero cord's going in first. And here's the 2E cord going on top of it. Dentists will ask me, you know, that 2E cord has epi in it. Why do you use it? Well, I think you saw right there as I was putting that last cord, and there was just a smidgen of bleeding around there, and we try to avoid that... Uh, at all costs if we can. And so I like uh, the extra safety approach of a little epinephrine in there. Again, this is a patient who can handle the epinephrine he had in the local anesthetic injection. Custom tray, of course, I use. You'll see me use custom trays all the time because I just like the fit and the material savings. But certainly on a full arch case for a roundhouse bridge, you're crazy not to use uh, a custom tray. And the impression looks good. We've got the preps in place. And uh, 
Again, this is going to be a full contour Bruxer zirconia bridge. So the whole thing's going to be uh, absolute zirconia. So it's going to be nice and strong. Uh, uh, last thing to do on this appointment, by the way, is get the bite registration. So I've, I've sectioned the biotemps into three pieces. Patient bites down on the two posterior segments. And with him biting together, we're able to maintain that vertical dimension for the laboratory. So the key here of the bite registration is that we're going to give the laboratory the proper vertical dimension on the bite registration. So the two posterior biotemp segments stay in place. We express the material onto the anterior preps. He bites together and we wait 60 seconds. He's at his proper vertical dimension because those biotemps were in place. Now we take the biotemps out. And with the anterior bite registration that's already set in place to give us the proper vertical dimension, we squirt bite registration on the posterior preparations, have them bite into the anterior bite registration. And now we have a full arch bite registration at the proper vertical dimension. The only way to do this is to segment those temporaries. You need the biotemps or your temporaries in three segments so you can maintain vertical dimension. This is for cases where we're not gonna open the bite or close the bite or something like that. So uh, when we're maintaining that vertical dimension, that's going to be how we do it by cutting those uh, temporaries into pieces, uh, if you want to do that. Um, now we're, we've got uh, another set that we actually relined. You don't have to do this. This is overkill, our, our second set of biotemps that we're putting in. The longer we have somebody in temporaries, the more likely we are to kind of switch them, especially if they're helping us out on a product like this one where we're doing it for the first time. And so now we're cementing the biotemps into place. And you can see my assistant has probably been yelled, not yelled at by me, but uh, uh, sternly scolded. I'm not sure what the proper term would be for leaving temporary cement underneath a temporary bridge or a provisional bridge. And uh, when that happens to you a couple of times, you look for ways to make sure it doesn't happen. And there's many ways to do it. Her favorite way is to do it with floss underneath the bridge with a little knot in it, clean up all the temporary cement and then pull uh, the floss out in between all the teeth and wherever you have um, teeth splinted together use that floss to make sure there's no temporary cement under the tissue because it's a big problem you know we've seen cases that look good in the temporary and then we go to try in the final work and the problem is we've had some recession you know of gingiva somewhere it's exposed to margin and a lot of times it's due to a piece of temporary cement being left there so there's the bruxer bridge there's literally no porcelain on that bridge that is 100% zirconia, full contour zirconia with no porcelain on it. And that's pretty amazing. Um, does it look as good as a bridge with porcelain does? No, you know, and that's never been anything that we've necessarily uh, said about Bruxer or even tried to achieve in these early days. You know, we know it's not going to look as pretty as a porcelain fused to metal bridge or a porcelain fused to metal crown or an all ceramic crown. But the advantage that it does have is that by not having any porcelain on it, there's no porcelain to chip off, no porcelain to break off. And by having the zirconia this thick, we've got a super strong framework. So we tried it into place and everything fits, just a couple adjustments uh, on the bite. And so we're putting this in with conventional cement, our conventional crown and bridge cement, our 3MSB Reliax Looting Plus Cement. It's a resin reinforced glass ionomer. And I've got a ton of confidence in this cement from having cut off uh, zirconia restorations just like this, Bruxa restorations that have been put on with this cement. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any lower molars, or we could let him crank down on that too. 
Usually we'll just use cotton. Here I want something a little stronger just because we have him biting towards the anterior and he's not able to bite on the molar. So he's got the pine wood sticks in place and he's closing down as far as I can get him to close down. And again, that bridge, while it doesn't look as good as all ceramic restorations or a PFM, for an all zirconia bridge that has literally no porcelain on it, it it looks pretty good. It can't rival the best in aesthetics. Uh, maybe one day it will. Uh, but why the, the reason why dentists are flocking to Bruxer in numbers that are surprising even to us is because of its strength. And we've said from the beginning that Bruxer, you know, is more brawn than beauty. You know, we were looking for something strong that was aesthetically acceptable. We weren't looking for something strong that was uh, beautiful and could rival Empress. You know, we know it's not going to do that. But when we talk to dentists, whether it's at my lectures or at the dental shows that we go to, their big concern is not, boy, we need better looking restorations. We have great looking restorations. We have Emacs. We have Empress. They want stronger tooth colored restorations. In fact, I used to ask dentists if, if we came out with a cast gold that was a shade A2, how many of you would use it? And, and literally almost every hand in the room would go up. You know, dentists love cast gold because of how durable it is and the fact that it doesn't break. And it's the fact that it's uh, ugly in the eyes of many patients and unesthetic why they won't choose it. And this is not a cast gold in a shade A2, but it's getting closer. It's certainly a step in the right direction. This is a monolithic restoration that is all zirconia. And look at that. I mean, that's pretty decent, right? I mean, you can tell it's not a biotemp. Is it the greatest looking full arch bridge you've ever seen in your life? Probably not. Was the patient happy with it? Yes, definitely. In fact, there was questions being asked about doing the lower uh, as well to match the upper because we picked uh, an ideal shade instead of matching the lower. So again, this is just kind of a sneak peek into what we're doing here in the R&D department and uh, what we think can be done with Bruxer. It started off as a posterior material and then we began to use it in selected cases in the anterior. And this is the first time I've had the chance to use Bruxer as a full arch solution for a patient who required a maxillary bridge replacing all the teeth on just six abutments. 